0: Welcome to the UK Ravens podcast, the only official, unofficial Baltimore Ravens podcast from the United Kingdom. Well, Lamar doesn't want to talk about it, but we'll talk about it as he absolutely destroys another NFC team beating the Seahawks. Welcome back to the UK Ravens podcast. My name is Gaz Bullard and once again joined by my friends who I met on the internet, Ian Domain and James Ogden. James Lamar doesn't really want to speak about you know, all this NFC battle thing, but other than I mean, it's quite sort of depressing to talk about. Other than the Daniel Jones led Giants, um, Lamar's had um, really quite the um, quite the number on the NFC teams, and that sort of that that fits as well heading into a Super Bowl, does it?
1: It does, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. It there's a lot of people putting it down to the fact that he's a he's a quite unique. QB and the NFC doesn't face him very often. I I mean, if that is the case, some of the stuff, I mean, I would put it down to pure stupidity on behalf of some of these (laughs) NFC teams who there's plenty of tape out there about him. Like we saw again, stuff recently, haven't we from NFC defensive players and defensive coaches saying, we're just going to try and keep him in the pocket. I mean, Come on, guys. Like, there's so much tape out there now that can show you, you keep him in the pocket. He's going to kill you just the same. And also, he's probably going to find a lane and beat you with his legs still as well. So it's just, it's a nonsensical approach to, to try to beat him. However, this Ravens offense has been very good through, through the, um, through the opening parts of the season. And, and you've got to wonder, is there, you know, is there a way to, to stop them? Uh, I'm sure somebody will come up with, with something. Uh But at the moment, it's it's proving it very difficult for 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 any defensive coach to to find, to work out a way to stop him. Although it'll be interesting to to go back to a divisional foe this uh, this week this upcoming week, but we'll get into that later, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, we've got a very messy game coming, Ian. The New York Football Giants, the only team in the NFC to to beat Lamar. You just like you look at all the all the teams we've played. We played the Forty ers when they were in there back in 2019. Where did they go and go into the Super ball that year? the Niners I can't remember it were definitely previewed as the Super Bowl matchup um, and it's yeah of all teams the New York Giants that eventually take the Ravens down it,
2: it was and it was a game the Ravens should have won I think I, should have won comfortably shouldn't they they made they made a load of mistakes and and lo and behold killed themselves in that game so yeah I'm sure that one as much as Lamar doesn't want to talk about I'm sure that one still, still irks him
0: well let's move on to the game at question then Ian it's Ravens Seahawks the Ravens um turn up and and put one in, put one in for the books last week you were a little bit unsure me and Shane both went pretty uh pretty high with our predictions you were a little bit unsure pretty pretty good turnout on the night though I,
2: I was wasn't I I was I was yeah a bit negative for for me and I should have been should have been more bullish like you and Shane this was a this was a fun watch wasn't it It was it was nice and easy easy watching on a on a Sunday afternoon evening and um Let's let's have many more of these games because they're they're good fun to watch.
0: Did uh, James? Did you manage to watch this game? Okay, and Ian, I guess you, yourself as well. I was in a field at a bonfire um, during this game, so just, everyone around me is staring at the sky, looking at fireworks. I've got one AirPod in and staring down at my phone, <laughs> watching, trying to trying to watch a football game. How was how was your viewing experience on Sunday night? Yeah, so
2: I I did watch it. Okay, um, I had to watch it on on Now TV. Obviously, it was the Sky game, so I was on on Now TV, which has got a horrendous delay, and I was doing the Twitter as well. So every time something happened, and I'd I'd get on my phone to sort of tweet about it, I'd realize that everyone else had tweeted about it about three minutes ago. So apologies <laughs> to anybody that
1: was that was following the game via my tweets because I was so far behind.
0: James, how about
1: you? Yeah, I was fine. Um, but I, I find that interesting, Gazzy. You've got, you know, you were, you were there watching a guy for forks burn on a bonfire and you're watching Gino Smith do the same <laughs> at the hands of the Ravens pass rush on, on your, uh, on your phone.
0: Yeah, it was quite, quite a nice simile, I guess. Um, there were, <laughs> there were fireworks where I was. There were fireworks at M&T Bank Stadium and yeah, a guy absolutely, um, burning to death in the middle of it. Um, James, let's talk about those fireworks we saw at m t Bank Stadium, and let's let's start off with number eight, the quarterback. Um, another, I, mean, we, 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 I feel like I, I feel like this is becoming something I say every week on the podcast at this rate. Another good outing for Lamar Jackson. Yeah,
1: this one was a really efficient outing. It really reminded you of the 2019 season where he just had to play within himself uh, and be a, a sort of an orchestrator. He didn't really have to to really uh, put the game, put the team on his back and, and go and win the game. Um, he played within himself. Uh, it was a really nice day. Uh, he made some really good throws. He spread the ball around too, which we'll get on to with the receivers. You know, it wasn't just uh you know, a heavy Zay Flowers day. It was, um, it was spread around. Um, and he just looks more and more comfortable in his offense each week. Um and what a bonus to be able to just pull him for the fourth quarter and put Put Tyler Huntley and That was
0: uh, that was very nice to see. Shades of 2019 from the the Ravens' offense at the moment. Seeing Lamar Jackson um, sat on the sideline, no sunglasses this time. But it is sort of moving into winter. Um, Ian, as James says, the the ball will spread out quite a lot. Is is not focusing. It's not the old Lamar Jackson where he focuses on Mark Andrews. If Mark Andrews isn't free, he almost has a bit of a panic on. And actually, all the tight ends are the decent decent outing on Sunday night.
2: Yeah, yeah, they did. The the wide receivers, some of them, Zay and a couple of others were, were held in check in this game. But but he spread the ball around. I think I haven't looked at it, I should have written this down. I think it's eight different receivers. I think nine were targeted. I think he targeted Justice Hill, who didn't manage to to pull in a catch. But I think it was eight different receivers in this game. So again, spreading the ball around. Mark Andrews had, had a big day and it was nice to see Likely get involved as well. Um I've I've only watched the game once. I probably should have gone back and and checked this. It it felt to me like he he got very involved when Huntley was in the game. I don't know whether that's cuz Andrews wasn't on the field or or whether they were running out those two tight end sets. Um but it's something for you know likely to to show Monk in that he can get more involved if you can get Andrews and likely on the field
1: with all those other weapons it's 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 just an embarrassment of riches at the moment. It was interesting because they you know, they, the Seahawks were the first team who sort of set out to stop, say, flowers. They were the first ones to sort of say, actually, this kid's not going to beat us. Uh, this isn't going to be the, you know, this isn't going to be where, where we lose this game. And obviously the, the Seahawks have quite a nice, uh, defensive backfield. Um, and so it was interesting at times to see Tariq Woolen <laughs> find up on, uh, on, say, flowers because it's a bit of a size mismatch. Uh, so it was a bit weird sometimes, but they did a pretty good job of, 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 um, of keeping him quiet. But what it showed was the, the, the way this offense can function and, and the way that the Ravens can now beat you in several different ways, not just with the ground game, which they really hammered Seattle with. Um, but also by spreading the ball around to other receivers, it was a big Odell game, um, so you know, it sort of shows that the Ravens aren't one dimensional in their passing game anymore, as you mentioned with with Mark Andrews. There's now Mark Andrews, there's Zay Flowers, and there's a supporting cast that can do a job too. Um and so it was encouraging to see that the Ravens can get it done while while Zay Flowers is kept pretty quiet.
0: Ian, we'll talk about those wide receivers and I'll um I'll open it by talking about Odell Beckham. Junior, I brought him up on the podcast last week as to where are we with Odell? It feels like there's a potential meltdown on its way. Everyone, although I've got to admit, I mean, it's it's, it's so fiery. I'm listening to people say they love how fiery he is. I just think, I'm not sure about that. Everyone does seem to me, as James says, the ball's getting spread out. There's no one, there's there's not that one guy, even Mark Andrews isn't that one dude anymore. The man's doing a really good job of spreading the ball out everywhere. Uh, do, Do we think that, The wide receiver room, the tight end room, everyone's everyone's sort of happy with this. Do you think we're all? Do we feel like we've got that locker room of this is a team? This is a team we're going. We're going for a Super Bowl. Do you think we're going to start to see the cracks showing if Zay doesn't get the targets he's expecting? I'm, I'm gonna have my, my, my eyes firmly on Odell back up for the next few weeks. It,
2: it certainly seems that way. And uh and, and it's helped while you're winning. Like, there's no, there's no getting around that. If this team wasn't winning, then I think people might, might stick their hand up and say, well, maybe you should get me the ball more. While, while you're winning, it's, it's not, not a problem at all. I just don't think that's the offense that the Ravens have. I don't think, I don't think they've had a hundred yard receiver in a game yet. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure they will going forward. They, you know, there's, there's so many options. They spread the ball around. Um, Odell getting his touchdown this week is is going to help as well. It really felt like he was pressing before before this he's got his touchdown now that's surely going to take some of that pressure off him um, It was interesting to see that they used Odell a lot in the slot this week, which is something they haven't really done at the start of the season he's played primarily outside uh, they moved him into the slot so that that could be something interesting to to watch going forward but like i say why they're winning i don't i don't think it's a problem and i I think they're at the point in their careers at the minute. Zay's a rookie; he he's not really going to come out and say you need to be giving me the ball more. And you hope that Odell's experienced enough that he's gone past that diva stage. Now he knows his role in the team, and and I don't think it's going to rear its ugly head.
0: What what do we think about the the fumble from Odell? Is it just a a guy a, a guy who's fired up, trying a bit too hard? Odell never seems. Odell reminds me of like when we going back to like 2019 and we saw sort of, we'd see Lamar run with the ball out there. Odell sort of like holds it in front of him, like I'm um, again once once again doing visual aids for an audio podcast, but sort of holds it in front of him, like I don't know. Ian you're, you're the cricket coach here you're, you're all about um ball security how, how do you feel how, how do you feel about um Odell Beckham and uh, his placement of the ball
2: I'm not sure how much cricket you've played Gaz, but ball, <laughs> ball security is not not really a thing but um but if it was that we wouldn't teach the kids to hold the ball like Odell did sort of running with it out in one hand out in front of him I, I as I say I was on the Twitter I was I, I gave him a bit of stick for that. I just felt he was just trying too hard. You're, you're an experienced guy. I, uh, he'd already made a defender miss or he'd got the first down. I can't remember exactly what it was. It's just, there was no need for it. It just felt like he was trying and he, he's experienced enough to know that, you know, just take, take what the defense is giving you. You don't, you don't need that extra effort and what he was doing with the ball, waving it around. God, God only knows. Um, but I, I, don't expect you'll see that again.
0: Ian, I feel like you always talk about cricket. And I thought, I, I've got a good one here. I'm going to set my mate Ian up here. I'm going to talk about cricket. And he's going to think, oh, what a, what a nice guy, guys. He's, you know, he's all about my hobby of cricket. Is is helped me get into this answer in a, in a cricket-like manner. And you just you just throw me right under the bus there. So, James, let's in, not talk about cricket and ball security anymore. Uh, let's instead talk about quick well, we talk about ball security. Let's talk about the running game. Um, a decent out in all-round... Apart from we we really need to stop this read option with uh, Justice Hill
1: though. <laughs> yeah, he um Justice Hill had an interesting game because I, I do feel that Justice Hill has looked good over the first sort of last few weeks of the of the season so far, and I, I'm kind of I'm still sort of bullish on him, but obviously the story of the day was was um was Keaton Mitchell, uh who just sort of blew off with, with nine carries Gary's hundred and thirty eight yards. Uh, just a really special day from him. I think, uh, I've been quite, I've tried to pump the brakes a little bit on Keaton Mitchell for people on his podcast. Uh, what was really encouraging this week was that he did some things that I didn't think he could do. Uh, or at least he hadn't put on tape up until this point, um, from his time in, in East Carolina. Uh, so he is developing that the, they have managed to develop him quite significantly. In terms of his ability to run between the tackles, he had some good vision. I, I really liked the way he was following, following his blockers at times and to get those runs up the middle where you're able to, he was able to use his explosive ability and his speed to, to, um, to, to really good effect. And I think the thing I'd, I'd love to go back and look at this again, um, on the, on the film, which I haven't had a chance to do, but, I'm pretty sure what happened was that the Ravens decided to use him a lot with out of eleven personnel. So one of the things that the the Ravens, uh, for him, doesn't know, eleven personnel is uh, one tight end, one running back, uh, and then obviously three wide receivers. The Ravens under Greg Roman used very, very little eleven personnel, easily the the lowest rate in the league of eleven personnel. They always used more tight ends and running backs than one and one uh, Todd Monken has brought in 11 personnel quite a lot into into the passing game, but they haven't run out of that, out of those type of formations yet that much. Uh, they ran out of that formation a lot more in this game, it felt, and it felt like it was the Keaton Mitchell runs that it happened on. Um, so, and it was incredibly effective. Uh, and I think that has been the case when they've run out of 11 personnel earlier in the season, which I've seen some stats about, but this time it did feel like uh sort of it was a it was a specific tactic that they that they that they took which was to to sort of run out of eleven personnel with keaton mitchell in in play because you've got that threat of him sort of coming out of the backfield. It remains to be seen whether he can um consistently work as a as a pass protector but it's a really interesting development for this run game that if he is able to run between the tackles with vision and burst and patience then you've got a real Lightning to Gus's thunder. Um, Justice Hill is a, is a, is a good running back and will be rotated in. But from the looks of this performance, it will be Gus and Keaton Mitchell as a one, two punch going forward.
0: Yeah, Justice Hill feels like he's um, making his way back onto the special teams unit primarily after a decent start at the start of the year um, on running back snaps. Uh, James, let's just let's just let's touch on Keaton Mitchell a little bit further. We've talked about him a little bit on the podcast, and uh, he just sort of as he's running, he looks like he's covered in grease. Like people couldn't get him down. I mean, we're going to get to Tyler Linderbaum in a minute. He seemed to absolutely enjoy his time blocking for him, and he was he was downfield blocking as many people as I can. You mentioned that the um, offense were in 11 personnel, uh, which is obviously going to spread the defense out. Is that why he's having so much success? Because Keaton Mitchell's based on speed and they're just spreading the defense out. And before your cornerbacks, your, your safeties, who are sort of having to play deep and wide, have got time to react, he's already eight, 10 yards down the field.
1: Yeah, they definitely wanted to get a lot of space. That was the reason they ran him, ran him particularly out of 11 personnel, because they wanted to get him in space as quickly as possible. Um, and one of the things you saw with him running in the out of those formations with that space, um, as you mentioned, Gaz, it was that you saw his ability, his contact balance, his ability to take hits and and stay upright, which you didn't see as much. And and when he's sort of not up at full speed, that feels more difficult for him. It feels it feels like he he isn't able to ride hits as well when he's not up, sort of up to speed. But when he was at, at, when he was at speed, they, they were finding it very difficult to, to bring him down. So that was an interesting. It was just a, it was a continuation of the theme this year that the Rave, from the Ravens coaching staff for me, which is that, you know, in the past, when we were used to watching Wink Martindale co- coach defenses and Greg Roman coached offenses, it would be this dogmatic, stick to this stick to the script stick to my way of doing things no matter what the opponent no one well, not always no matter what the opponent but no matter what the personnel they had and so I, I really like the way Mike McDonald has has done has done this on the defensive side but I think Todd Munkin has done it to an extent on the offensive side as well where he's building the scheme around the personnel and they've clearly seen something from Keaton Mitchell in practice where they've sort of thought actually when you're able to simplify what this kid has to see um in the box and you're able to get as many defenders out of the box and you run him in 11 personnel, you get him up to speed. He doesn't have to read as much um, movement from the defense. You, you've got a kid who can, who's, who's explosive and can and break off big runs and they, they may have found something. They will, there will certainly be ways that defenses are able to stop that uh, going forward. But to an extent, you're always going to have to sort of, you're always going to have to contend with that. I think with the Ravens now, so uh, it's a really interesting extra wrinkle that they've added to the offense.
0: It's so hard to not sit here and get like so excited about this team after a, a couple of good weeks out. We've got to remember that we've still had that Colts game, we have still had the Steelers game. Yes, we know the team is like a heartbeat away from midnight and no, but this is where we are. Um, it's so exciting, But uh, as we as we talked about the trade deadline at the end. Um, on last week's podcast, we talked about like bringing Derrick Henry in as like this 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 big bruising runner, and we sort of said, "Well, Gus Edwards gives you that big bruising guy." And then we sort of looked after Josh Jacobs, who's someone a little bit more of a speedster. All of a sudden, we've sort of Gus Gus took the we we're going after Derek Henry personal, personally, and he's now playing really well. Keaton Mitchell's come out of nowhere as a speed guy, and you've got to think that Todd Munkers just sat there at some point it's going to run. Zay Flowers on the jet sweep is going to have Keita Mitchell going the other way and Lamar's just going to take it down the middle because the defence just is not going to everyone's going to be so scared of that speed I'm so excited that if this um, offence can stay healthy it's going to be fantastic Um Ian, you're a big, um, a big fantasy player. Keaton Mitchell joined any teams this week on the waivers?
2: Uh, I'm sure he's joined a lot of teams. I, I picked him up in one league. I'm, I'm sure lots of people listening to this would have, would have stashed him already. I, I owe the guy an apology. I'm, I was kind of in the James camp. Um, I was not familiar with his game. I didn't think he had this in him. I'll, I'll be honest. Like. Even the biggest Keaton Mitchell truthers can't have thought that was going to happen. Like, there's there's no way. Um, I think 132 of his 138 yards came after contact, and the the after contact thing is a little bit uh, it's a little bit weird because if you go and watch his runs, the, the whole offensive line. Lynderbaum's going to get a lot of credit, but John Simpson in this game was was fantastic. Like the holes he was running through after contact is a guy putting his hand on you. Like he's not running people over, but the, the the scary thing is that he's got that home run speed. Like defenses now have to be wary that if, if Lamar hands the ball off to Gus, Gus might break off a 20 or 30 yard run one, once every couple of games. He's not going to run away from anyone. If he's running that distance, he's going to run you over Keaton Mitchell, you hand him the ball, he could take it 70 or 80 yards and just outrun you. That's the scary thing, is that he just, he's just he got that speed that he's just going to absolutely burn you. Um, and, and if you bring everyone up, like you say, Gaz, and, and you try and stack the box, you're going to stop the run, or I'll just throw it to Mark Andrews or Odell or Bateman or, say, Flowers. Like, it's just another weapon. How do you defend these guys?
0: Oh, the, the, the best wide receiver of the first four weeks, Nelson Aguilar, who just seemed to sort of, well, it's in, in harbor's bad books for the, um, for the, the muffed kick, um, kick return the other day, but, um, there we go.
1: I think the thing, the thing for me is that he, uh, like, uh, he hasn't put this on tape before, this type of, this type of, of run, this type, like, the, the way he ran on Sunday, um, between the tackles, his, the majority of his yards at East Carolina came, uh, outside the tackles, getting to be able to bounce outside, break it outside. And what they've, uh, it just looks like what they've been able to do is simplify the, the reads for him. And I've had, I've enabled him to, to sort of, they've mitigated the biggest weakness in his game. Um, and have been able to, to teach him some things too and coach him up and develop him. And I'm sure that he's like, he should get a lot of credit for that. So it does look like there's a chance that I, like, there is no way you want him running into seven eight man boxes it's not going to work um and he he'll he'll very quickly revert to type in terms of bouncing it outside but if you're able to get defenses into a situation where they just don't know what's coming and they're struggling and they 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 end up with a light box then um then you're going to be in trouble there and um, there are ways around it there are things that defenses will be able to do uh, particularly a Vic Fangio defense would be a difficult one to go up against a Vic Fangio style defense would be a difficult one to go up against um in this vein, because the Vic Fangio style defense will make it look like there's a light box. Um, but actually the safeties are playing at a certain depth that mean that it isn't actually a light box and they trigger quickly on the run. Um, and so there'll be things that defenses can do to combat it, but it's, it, the point still stands that we've been talking about, which is that there's, there's now just so many different weapons on this offense. There's so many different ways to, to beat, to, to beat teams. And we'll get to it. Like we, Ian touched on it. Like the, the offensive line is the, both lines at this point are, are the engine room for this team. And if the offensive line continues to dominate in this way, it doesn't really matter what defensive scheme you run. The offensive line is going to line up and smack you in the mouth and you're going to have no chance.
0: And we've been saying this for a few weeks now. The, uh, Todd Munkin hasn't really started running Lamar yet and that, I, I I don't think this is some some crazy changing system where Todd is trying to prove that Lamar is a pocket passer. We know Lamar is a pocket passer. We know Lamar can pass. We know he can hit the outside. I just think he's saving his legs. And I think when when crunch time comes on Christmas Day versus the Forty ers on New Year's Eve versus Vic Fangio and that Miami Dolphins defense, I just think if the run game starts getting jammed up, you're in the deep depths of the season. Lamar's just going to put his foot in the dirt and go, and then all of a sudden the defense has to adjust on the fly to the fact right Lamar's running again, and then as we as we're saying that opens everything else up. You've you've got to you've got to spy Lamar. That takes a linebacker out of the box. And all of a sudden there's a there's an opening on the other side for Keaton Mitchell or Zay Flowers or anyone to come to come beat this um, this offense is incredible. Ian, let's let's talk about Todd Munkin and how how he's built this offense. It was a we we're all sort of whelmed by the signing. we were ne- neither underwhelmed or overwhelmed we were just sort of right right in the middle
2: Whelmed. you've got it. you've got you've gone full <laughs> clueless there's <laughs> a, a 90s reference for you
0: uh, i love clueless. um that's that's where we are but this i mean this is it, Again, I, I'm, I don't know if you can hear it at the back of my voice. I'm I'm trying to like just not be like scream out in joy with how excited I am because this is like a a really uncomfortable place for a Ravens fan to be, and we're going to get onto how NFL media also seem to be fairly excited about us, and that absolutely petrifies me. But. Um, Todd Munkin's doing a, a fair old job here isn't
2: it? he he is he's, he's doing a good job isn't he and this is the third straight game now with 30 plus points so he's he's got to be doing something right when you actually dig into the numbers it's it's kind of that James mentioned it earlier it's that 2019 and, and we're so far away from the Greg Roman offense but the Ravens still lead the NFL in rushing that's you know, that's their bread and butter. They're, they're far and away the leading rushing team in, in the league. Now they're throwing more than ever. You can go and look at the sort of neutral pass rates, which is when you're on sort of first down, how often you, you throw the ball and and the Ravens are throwing the ball far more than they ever did. But the runs where it all starts and, and they're leading the league by a long way in, in rushing yards, um, fourth overall in, in total touchdowns, 16th. So they're sort of league average in, in pass yards. Um, but, but Munkin's got to be sat there at night drawing up plays, just absolutely like rubbing his hands together. All the weapons he's got, uh, all, all the options. Like you say, what's, what's he keeping back? And it's all starting to, to click now and come together. We, we thought it would take a while. Um, we're getting into the season now. If this offense doesn't need to be this good, that's, that's the thing with, with the defense this Ravens team have got. The offense doesn't need to be this good. If it is. This is what's going to keep happening. We will keep battering teams. I think the the Ravens lead the league in point differential at the minute, plus one hundred and fifteen, which again is miles ahead of, of anyone anyone else. Um, so we're all getting very giddy, and it all sounds great. <laughs>
0: <but> <laughs> we're such like we're such like basic giddy fans as well, and we're all like fantasy players, and everyone likes a shiny toy, and everyone likes seeing um, Odell Becker in the end zone. The offense is even the best team on this on this team. Like, the de- like they're the, the just they the, 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 they have got they're getting away with being good but not excellent because the, the defense which we're going to get onto we'll, we'll talk about um the big men at the front in a, before we do that but we've got to get onto the defense yet we're, we're we're thirty minutes in and we've waxed poetical about this offense which is just it's not even the strongest part of this football team and we're going to a Super Bowl um, James before, <laughs> before 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 we move on to that defense let's talk about um. Those uh, big men at the front. I've already talked about um, Tyler Linderbaum, whose um, short arms don't seem to be bothering him while he's thirty yards down the field blocking for Keaton Mitchell. Do they?
1: No, and 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 Linderbaum just uh, like he's he's worked on the weaknesses of his game um, and is now uh, you know just I I I think he's one of the best. Best offensive lineman in the NFL, full stop, regardless of, of position. Um, it won't be long before he's a pro bowler. It w- may not be long before he's an all pro. He's, he has eliminated some of the things that were, were, were difficult from his game. The way he creates leverage is, is ex, just expert. Um, which means that his short arms don't matter, which was the, which was the thing you saw at Iowa all the time anyway. Like it was, it was always going to be like this. There was always going to be an adjustment period to some of those bigger behemoth defensive tackles that he was going to face, which, and he faced a gauntlet of them in his rookie year um, and had some struggles. But since then, you know, you've, you've seen the develop, you can, if you watch him closely, you can see the development that he's, the, the development path he's gone on. He's a, he's a really special interior offensive lineman. And obviously the, the kind of Hollywood play in this game was him um <laughs> blocking a, a linebacker at the line of scrimmage and then chasing him four yards downfield and obliterating him because <laughs> he wasn't finished with him, <laughs> which was just beautiful to see. Um But there were so many other uh, really good reps in this game from him. And, uh, he's also benefiting from, from being, being flanked by, uh, two really good guards and, and John Simpson is, 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 uh, is, <laughs> was, had a, had a really good outing in this game too.
2: It's gotta be such it's gotta be such a, a fun thing for the offensive line. You know you're running the ball, you know you're so much better than the other team, and they're just hitting people. The the Keaton Mitchell, the second big run he had, the one where Linda Barnes sort of blocks about four or five guys and then he turns around and bowling balls another couple. Watch like Simpson's great on that rep as well, but go and watch the right tackle, Pat McCari. He's he's going up against I think it's Jamal Adams, so a, a good safety. And he absolutely just drives him off the field. He's about 20 yards off the field and no one's noticed it because Linda Baum's so good. But this is a backup right tackle just taking the safety and he's nowhere near. He's just still blocking him today, I think. It's awesome to watch. We've
0: seen and that obviously... quite a lot out of the Ravens this year. Ronnie Stanley did it a couple of weeks back where he blocked a guy into the crowd. Um, again, this... I'm trying not to get excited. This team feels like so bonded together. You can you can imagine them in the um, the offensive lineman room watching tape and almost having a, a tally sheet of, well, yeah, you got two blocks. I blocked him into row six. And Ronnie Stanley is saying, well, I blocked him into um, wherever the other week. Like, James, this team just want to... They're there for each other. They all want to eat and they want to succeed. Don't they?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the offensive line is just that you can tell from... So, the, the the fun bit about this week was John Simpson, where you can see on a number of plays where he sort of celebrates a block after he finishes. He's so excited that he's managed to block this dude into the ground. And then there was one point where I don't think he was mic'd up. I think he was caught on a different mic. But I'd, are you able to bleep me? Yes. I can bleep, yep. So, there's a point where he's caught on a mic where he says, where he's sort of laughing and goes, I f- that bitch up <laughs> after he's driven a guy into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so they're having so much fun dominating people and it's great to watch.
0: There's an excellent bit on a fourth down as well where it never happened, but the Ravens actually um, get the Seahawk defensive line to jump. That's how about just stands up in the middle of him points his hand directly forward and just matches us through the defensive line <laughs> <and> like <laughs> losers like, it's great it's absolutely, it's absolutely fantastic um we've gotten here on some money concerns yet but, yeah, but I'm, I'm on too much of a high to talk about that. so let's instead just go no ian we're not it's a ha- it's a positive I, podcast
2: i, I, I was going to keep it positive i didn't think i thought ronnie had a pretty decent game he had one bad rep which which led, led to that that the sack but and he and he got stick like oh we need to get rid of Ronnie we need to draft the left tackle Ronnie was okay in this game he was he was pretty solid he wasn't bad and Ravens fans are the worst. And I forgot to say when I was talking about Monkin, I listened to a rival podcast today guys. A rival podcast. Can you believe it? Anyway, they they were talking about how Was, the, it,
0: was it Dog Pound UK?
2: No I, I I I can't give I can't give them any uh, any pop. I can't give them oh, any okay. but they they were talking about how the Ravens offense is sort of you know, it's not explosive. It just sort of trickles its way down the field. And I just wanted to let those guys know, because they'll be listening. They know who they are. But <laughs> the Ravens currently have the second most explosive plays in the entire NFL. The only team they're behind is the Miami Dolphins.
0: Nice. And again, once again, just to reiterate, not even the best unit on the team, James, the best unit on the team is at the other side of the ball. Um, I've, we, the, st- the stats are coming out again. We're not getting excited. The motto of this podcast is we're not getting too excited. They um, they they're basically hitting the same records as a another team that we might know, which is the two thousand Baltimore Ravens. Defense. Oh,
1: you've done it now.
0: How how, <laughs> how how good is this defense looking?
1: It's uh, it's special. It's it's I I don't know that it's two thousand Ravens defense special. It, they're getting it done in a different way. Um, the, the 2000 Ravens defense was, was full of stars. It was full of guys who were very talented guys. There was obviously a number of kind of journeyman guys in there who played, played well above their, their abilities. The, what they're getting it done with is, is scheme. Um, a lot of the time, like the, the, the way this Mike McDonald, if he doesn't get a head coaching job, the, the, the NFL wants, I, I mean, it's just—it's ridiculous if he doesn't get an, a head coaching job. That the, the coaching job he is doing in this season, that he—the he, the, the best thing about this defense is that it, to me, I think it's—it's going to be kryptonite for Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, th- th- these guys who are used to carving up defenses. That they're going to come up against this one, and they're going to have a—they are going to have a—they are going to have real trouble putting this one to the sword because of the way he he he's an absolute terrorist with the way he moves people around pre-snap gets them in positions where you you just you have absolutely no idea what they are going to do from snap to snap and the 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 real the place where it's it's becoming um the place where it's, it's most effective is on the defensive line where you just have absolutely no idea which guy's coming from what angle he's coming from, because there are times when he'll show seven guys up at the line of scrimmage, he'll drop three three guys out, and then but then four guys will all stunt to the left side, left side, like overload. You've got no idea that it's happening. It, it, it's, he's he's utilizing that defensive front, that defensive front is full of athleticism. Even Michael Pierce is athletic for his size the way he moves and he's using that and matter explosive ability, always explosive ability. He's using it all to, to, to the absolute max to, to create pressure. I saw us um, next gen stats put out a, a tweet about the Ravens. Um, when a passing play lasts for two and a half seconds or more, the Raven, the Ravens are absolutely obliterating teams well above the nearest competition. Apparently they've they've had I think they've had something like one intercept one touchdown. And I think a load of the interceptions have come on those plays where it's been over two and a half seconds. And they're obviously they're absolutely mauling quarterbacks to death. But the like I said, the best thing about this is that it's it's a it is a pro this was this game was really interesting for it because this is a good passing offense. This is a cerebral quarterback that knows what he's doing with high class weapons on the outside. And they looked absolutely abject. Like it was a, it was a beat down against a really good offense. Uh, so and, we
0: talked uh, about this last week. We talked about DK Metcalf. Like they, they had a, the, the trio of wide receivers that were like. And actually, it's DB is not our strongest position at the moment. Malcom Humphrey is very clearly still coming off that injury. Um, we're still m- missing Marcus Williams and. The Seahawks had six
1: first downs, six, like that is, that is unbelievable. Not to mention as well that, that, sorry, Ian, that that Shane Waldron is one of the best offensive coordinators in the league. He's an up and coming, you know, he's a head coaching candidate and Mike McDonald and Barrett, he had no answer, absolutely no answer to what Mike McDonald was doing all game long.
2: Mike Mike McDonald's done this twice now. The the Lions' offensive coordinator. He's another young guy, up and coming. He he made him look silly. He did the same to the Seahawks. The scary thing is that he's got the same personnel standing in the same places every snap, and you've no idea what what's coming. Now, early in the season, it was he he was getting sacks with with the DBs and it was Roquan and it was Patrick Queen that were coming. Now he's just beating you with the guys on the D line. It was four sacks, all from, all from guys on, on the line this week. And there was times when the Seahawks were keeping seven guys in protection. The Ravens were rushing four and they were still getting home. There's, there's the pictures of OA with three guys on him. Um, there's another one where he sends, we've, we've spoke about OA a lot. and, And when he was drafted, we spoke about his speed. There's, there's a few edge rushers in the league that you'd line up on the right-hand side and you'd loop them the entire way round. And and suddenly he's coming from the left-hand side as a free rusher. Like There's very few guys that can do that. And Mike McDonald's just completely in his bag at the minute.
0: Oh, he, he missed a sitter at the start of the game uh, as he likes to do? We, we, I'm sure he'll be getting some some grief in um, in the meeting rooms this week for that. But, uh, I mean, you're right. I mean gino stone patrick queen um they're all gonna get they're gonna get broke off this off season and someone's gonna overpay gino stone and they're gonna probably overpay patrick queen and this is all due to mike mcdonald right really and rocon smith i mean patrick queen needs to buy rocon smith and mike mcdonald something when he gets his big contract because I, I, i i i'm still i'm still not i'm still not I, I'm still not there. I still remember the the week with we the week before Roquan Smith started, and we were like, "What do we do with Patrick Queen? Does he even make the team next year?" I don't believe that all of a sudden he just got better overnight. I'm sorry. I know all like Ravens media like Patrick Queen's the best player on the team. I just think he's in the right position, and he's he's been freed up by um, a defensive coordinator that's. Putting him in the right spot, and Roquan Smith is just mopping up all the all the stuff that uh, Patrick Coomer's struggling with. So it's going to get broke off. The the Jets, the J- New York team's going to pay him too much money, and it's going to hinder the, the their seasons for the next five years. Um, Ian G- Gino Smith leads the league interceptions still with another one what what's 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 going on here now
2: G- Gino Stone leads the league G- Gino, Gino Smith Stone? threw it to him. I, mean, I said yeah. that about
0: 3 times then, yeah G-
2: Gino Smith the quarterback wasn't the best Gino on the field was he um <laughs> I'm I'm not sure my Dexie's Midnight Runners tweet went down that well either during the game um but yeah Gino with another another interception um again it's I feel bad talking bad about Gino, but this one was kind of thrown straight to him as well. It's not, you know, he he leads the league in interceptions. He's playing extremely well, but he's not making ridiculous circus catches. I mean, Gino threw the ball straight to him. So, well, well done. Great. Well done,
0: Rory. Gino Smith versus Gino Stone. I was was always going to get them the wrong way around. Um, Yeah, I mean, the interception, it was like, I think Gino Smith, Nailed it! Overthrew it by about ten yards, and Gino Smith yeah. just happened to be in the right place again.
1: <laughs> there was definitely a miscommunication on that play between him and the between Gino Smith and the receiver. That's why that that interception happened. Um, I just wanted to quickly before we move on to talk about um, just quickly Adair Owe who um, now has you know has not played that much this year, and and for some games has played hobbled, and has the uh, one of the one of the top pressure rates in the league. Um, and and we know that pressure translates more um consistently into good play like sacks fluctuate year on year and you might get a big sack year and a down sack year but he's he's cre- he's creating pressure a lot and he's being helped by this scheme as the whole the whole defensive line are um because as Ian mentioned they've kind of they've moved away from those um those sort of, uh, you know, bringing defensive backs and, and have been getting home with defensive linemen, but the defensive linemen have been moving all over the place, um, pre and post snap. So it's kind of, it is helping, uh, some of those guys, but he's, he's, he is coming on. Um, and, and if, if people watch him closely, you'll see that he is starting to come on and he's starting to become what we expect, what we kind of hoped he would be. Uh, so that's good positive as well.
0: And let's just, in, ca- in case people have forgotten, we've got Kyra, the excitement. Marcus Williams, still to come back. David Ajabo, still to come back. Tyce Bowser, what what's do we know Ian, do we know anything about Bowser? I think he could, he,
2: could be dead for all we know. <laughs> <Tice> <laughs> <Bowser's> and, and, <laughs> uh, where, where's, where's Shane with his newspaper with the date? That's that's what Shane was is isn't it? I've I've no idea. Has anyone seen uh, Tys
0: Bowser's Instagram lately?
2: He I fell
1: down Fell down Sergio Kindle's stairs, didn't he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Um, I've seen that um, JPP is now looking to to join a practice squad for a contender. Well, why not at this point? Like it's the old, it's the it's the, the Eagles mentality last year. Yeah, we stuck to the D line, but we never have too many. Just throw, throw them in there.
2: But they're all crawling out of the woodwork, aren't they? It was yeah. and Dominic and Sue last last time. Now it's JPP. Well, suddenly all suddenly we are all assigned to a practice squad of a shiny team. Yeah.
0: I, I like it. The more, the more, the merrier. JPP, you're welcome with me. You get two, two thumbs up from me on that one. Um, okay, let's go into Raven of the Week then. Starting with James, who is your Raven of the Week? Do you know, you've never once come top? to me first. Oh, Raven right, sorry. Of the week. I, sorry, Ian. Ian, what is your I'm, Raven of the Week? Please? Yeah, I'm, I'm stealing it. I'm
2: having him. I, I want to win. I, I win. I'm taking Keaton Mitchell. <laughs>
0: What, i need to I mean, feel what, i need to feel basic, good about myself an absolute basic pick to jump what, in with I, I, yeah no, no way no way james was taking keaton mitchell nah, i also just no want to i
2: want to thank keaton because i He he's he's got me my most
0: successful tweet ever so thank you very much you're proud you're proud of that one i am i like that one where's the audio from as someone who hasn't got much um who doesn't know things i
2: couldn't couldn't tell
0: you Oh, so, I thought it was like a popular. I thought it was. Yeah, I thought I, it was trending so well because the audio was so. I, good. I,
2: I think it is an audio from somewhere, but I couldn't tell you where the original comes from. I'm not young enough for that. Some mm. TikTok person will tell
0: me. Uh, can I? Can I, I suggested you should have used the one from Superbad where it's the police like
1: <gasps> that kid's the best, <laughs> it's the
0: best kid alive. I <laughs> <laughs> don't liked that one. Also, <laughs> James, who is your favourite of the week?
1: <laughs> um, could we do that? Um, for when Tyler Linderbaum's running downfield to block guys, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so I'd love to do an offensive lineman, but uh it just—it's tough to pick what. Like I could pick Linderbaum because the highlight plays, but I, I genuinely think John Simpson had a had a really good game. So I kind of wanted to pick an offensive lineman, but I don't. This was such a dominant defensive performance. We can't have. We have to have a defensive player, and so um, and we haven't talked about him very much. So I think let's go with Cal Van Noi, who um, had back-to-back sacks and a forced fumble, um, and sort of exemplifies the the way this defense is is um, is hurting offenses at the moment.
0: Yeah, I will. I was going to take the Bam off the board anyway, so we'll pop the Underbaum yes. in as my suggestion, and then we'll get forth from either Shane or Ben for the poll. And maybe what we should do is just like. No, like a, like a band that's passed it, and they just keep rolling out the greatest hits, or just keep changing it ever so slightly. Next week, let's just do the same thing, but we'll u- then use the audio snippet from um, Superbad, and we'll just we'll just keep finding fast audio, fast let's guy audio snippets, and just just keep rolling it out for the next few weeks until until people get bored of it. Okay, um, history corner news first, news then history corner. Um, obviously, we've not got Shane here, but he's going to pre-record us on. Because I want to know what the hell is going on with this elf on the field. Um, news around the league, James. the The Ravens can't have anything nice, can they? Even in a um, a win streak, the entire AFC North is currently all going to the playoffs if they start today. We just we just can't catch a break here, can we?
1: No, I feel like this Ravens defense is. Um... He's probably looking back, and ex- I mean, I'm sure they don't care. But like, if they did look <laughs> back, I'm sure they'd be extremely disappointed that they didn't get to face a Clayton Tune led Arizona Cardinals uh, <laughs> last this week, last week, sorry, because uh, the Browns well and truly uh, showed them up. Not that anything wrong with, I mean, not that we should be criticizing Clayton Tune too much. He was thrown in um, to that game, but the Browns obviously got an easy win over the Cards. The Steelers uh beat the Titans, which wasn't a surprise, Uh and and to, and then obviously the uh, the Bengals took care of business against the Bills. I, I still think there's, I mean, we'll co- to, we're going to come to the Browns game. Still think that's a game that the Ravens should and um, probably will win. That Bengals game a week later is looking like basically an AFC North decider. You know, if the Ravens are able to win that game, they take the tiebreaker over the Bengals. If they beat the Browns this week, they'll be four and one in division, and there'll be two games clear of them. But it won't be like the first game. Uh, this Bengals offense has found its rhythm. Uh, Luana Rumo has started to work his magic with the defense. Uh, and so it's starting to become, uh, they're starting to become a, a bit of a threat, uh, to the Ravens, uh, getting some kind of home field advantage. Because if there is a way that the Ravens can have at least, uh, a couple of game, couple of playoff games at home, if not, the um, if not a, a home field advantage all the way through and a bye. Uh, th- this is a dangerous team in the playoffs, so it really I think these next two games really do count, and uh, it's annoying that the AFC North is basically uh, every team currently is in the playoffs from the AFC North. Uh, there are no other teams from any other divisions in the wild cards uh, for in the on the AFC.
0: You've got to believe that Mike McDonald is in is in those defensive meeting rooms as well ahead of the Browns game, which we're going to get into. Say everyone's saying this Browns defense is the best in the league. This, I mean, this 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 upcoming game's got thirteen to nine written all over it. Just so you know, and my predict, my prediction is my my prediction is going to um to ring that true. Um, just to just to go back over them, Bengals striping out the the jungle with alternating orange and black. Um, Sort of like it. Can't can't lie. Think that thought it actually looked really cool. And when they had all the lights going on, was it Monday night football? Sunday night football? Sunday night football? Oh, thought it looked great. Um Steelers, that they, they, they are a joke. They've we should, we, should, we should have just beaten them and put them to bed. But we've got the ta- we've, we've now got the perfect opportunity over the next couple of weeks to put both the Browns and the Bengals to bed for a little bit and just just get on with our lives. Before we talk about any more Raven stuff. You talked about my man Clayton Toon getting thrown in there. We'll talk about Josh Dobbs. I don't want to talk about Josh Dobbs in the game. I don't care about Josh Dobbs in the game. Great. It goes in and cadence and snapping. Wow. Yeah, okay. You've, you've heard it on you've heard it on every podcast ever. Have you seen this has made my week so much better. Have you seen on his TikTok he put out a highlight video of himself? No. He put a highlight video of himself from the game, which had like the snap and everything in it, but is used Creed as the music. And during like the halftime show... The, if like halfway through the video it's got the guy in the creed halftime show for thanksgiving like the bald guy in the curtain but he's photoshopped his own face on the guy so just in the middle of this like highlight thing it's just oh, josh dobbs like flying in a curtain to creed playing in the background and it's just the funniest thing i've ever seen in my life i was absolutely bent over Oh my god! I thought it was so funny. Um, if you haven't listened, if you haven't seen it, find find it, Ian, I'll, i send it to you as a tweet out. It's so funny. It's so clever. Um, <laughs> Ian, three, three Ravens named to PFF's mid-season All-Pro teams. Can we guess who they are?
2: Well, I'm gonna have to because I haven't seen this, so I've got oh, yeah. absolutely no idea. Yeah. So I was just jotting them down. I think I've got two absolutely nailed on. I, I, Lamar has to be one
0: Lamar be. is one Roquan Smith Roquan Smith is okay. two
2: I've got a third name written down but this is where I'm starting to get I, I'm going to go with Tyler Linderbaum
0: Okay, James any I'll, any disagreements? No, I
1: would also go with Linderbaum as the third Gino Stone Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Miss kind of like Gino, they have Gina. they have liked him in the past as well when he when he came in mm. uh, last season too so that's that's not a surprise Gino
0: Stone I mean it means nothing it's the PFF mid-season all pro teams we haven't any any hot takes on the PFF mid-season all pro teams No great no. okay um Ian will stay with you. Um, and uh, you're an awful place for Ravens fans to be. I've mentioned this throughout the podcast. NFL media seems to like the Ravens. We hate this, don't we? Like, Rick. as Ravens fans, we like to be the underdog. So uh, everyone's doing the power rankings now. This is like this is like the thing that's becoming uber popular nfl did it for a few years and now everyone's just getting get involved so we are number one for the athletic usa today and yahoo and number two for nfl the ringer and pro football network we like sort of been like anywhere between like 8 and 12 really don't we
2: we, we do that that'd be ideal we're, we're also number two for anyone that that Wants to know on the Arrowheads Abroad power rankings. So, is that you-
0: behind Kansas City? <laughs> oh, obviously. Oh so- my God. Get over yourselves. <laughs> Jesus. So- that so- is the worst thing. <laughs> that is. <laughs> But this is
2: this. Um, we, we we don't. We... Sorry,
0: sorry. Have Casey ever not been number one on that? Like, is that just sort of pending, and they just pencil the rest? In? Oh my god, over yourself. Anyway, sorry, sorry. <laughs>
2: yeah, this is um, as much as we've been talking up the Ravens on this podcast, and we're all going to win the Super Bowl. Team
0: of the world. Have you seen yeah, this for we... the Kansas City Chiefs? Now, now we've got America's team. Apparently, the Kansas City Chiefs, and no doubt Arrowheads abroad, have come out saying they want to be the world's team. We've won a game in Mexico and Germany. <laughs> (laughs) in the United Kingdom no one cares sorry I
2: feel like we've got off the rails a little bit and I've steered us there (laughs) but um yeah we're we're top of everyone's power rankings we don't like it let's go back let's you know, let the Bengals or someone else have it. Let's everyone's changed changed their tune. The Ravens are going to win. I see the the colours on the Super Bowl now are purple, aren't they? On the on the logo, oh, yeah, yeah. which means we're we're definitely winning it all this year. Yeah. Ravens,
0: it's, Niners. Yeah. It's still
2: it's still November, guys. There's there's a lot of football to be played yet. There's a lot of
0: football to be played. Um, James, the Kansas City Chiefs are the the the, the world's team, the America's team, the. AFC West team. Another team in that division are the Raiders. Where they these days? Vegas, Las Vegas Raiders. Still want to call them the Oakland Raiders for some reason. Um, sort of not, not quite, not run quite as um, as as smoothly as the Ravens.
1: Let's say. Yeah, I'm going to take us firmly off the rails now because uh, we're talk about the Raiders which is just really quickly. I wanted to talk Raiders. about this. We're, we're like, <laughs> we are fans of a well-run franchise and, you know, I hear see lots of criticism for lots of different members of the Ravens franchise. And some of it's valid, obviously, but also we could be the Raiders, you know? So there's lots of criticism of John Harbaugh. He's not Josh McDaniels who apparently had a players meeting where they went after him and he called Antonio in Pier- to speak, to try and calm it down. Who is the now interim head coach. Uh, was linebackers coach and he gave a rousing speech that kind of calmed it down and got the players back on side with the coaches. But part of that rousing speech included Antonio Pierce talking about the New York Giants, um, underdog win over the Patriots in the Super Bowl a number of years ago, because Antonio Pierce played for the Giants as part of that team. Uh, and that was part of the, a small part of the rousing speech. Uh, but it, it calmed the mutiny and, and got it sort of got it working for the coaching staff. Josh McDaniels came over to him after it. Absolutely livid because he had talked <laughs> ill of the Patriots in his speech, <laughs> genuinely. So you would not see John Harbor do that. And then the other thing, and, and so like disclaimer, this story may not be real, but I loved hearing it, which is that obviously Steve Bashotti would never do this. Mark Davis, apparently. So Josh McDonald's apparently is a big fan of Halloween. He dressed up as Mark Davis for Halloween, his boss. Uh, which, and if anybody's seen Mark Davis, he's a bit of a caricature of himself. You could certainly dress up as him. Uh, he, uh, apparently came into work dressed as Mark Davis. Mark Davis looked like he loved this, was like really into it. Apparently got him a Chinese from his favorite Chinese place that he, he likes to get his lunch from at the Chinese with him and then said, you better open your fortune cookie. He opened the fortune cookie and inside the message said, you're fired.
0: Oh my God. That's <laughs> incredible. <laughs> that is so good. I mean, I don't think we've come back and spoke about the Raiders after the trade deadline. Was that the last week we talked about the trade deadline? It was. Um, so I think the, the Raiders firings must have happened just after. So you, you, you've got this like little Halloween prank where you put your fired into a fortune cookie and I'm sure Matt Davis is busy working away at that. Um, in the meantime you've got a team that's fallen to bits now the one last week it always happens no one knows quite why it happens but it happens everyone gets fired the team win apparently during the like the last two days of the trade deadline they took dave ziegler's phone off him so you know you're gonna fire take the gm and the head coach out you're obviously heading towards a bit of a tank, a bit of a rebuild. You've got Josh Jacobs on the team who said he wants to play for the Ravens. You've got another few key pieces, Max Crosby, whether they'd actually deal Max Crosby, I don't know. And instead of like, even just take, they just took everyone's phones off them. Like, all right, well, we can't answer. So you can't have any of our players. This is ridiculous from the rate. It's just a ridiculous franchise. And I always think, like Raiders as well, James, they've got such a... Just a strong, it's quite like it was a strong brand, like through NWA and hip hop and that sort of LA scene in like the 80s, 90s. It became such a strong brand, but like it's a team that since the 80s have played in LA, they've been in Oakland, they've been, they're now in Vegas. I just, I'd find it so hard, especially as a UK fan. I wonder how many UK fans there are who aren't just buying the merch because they think they'll want to be in NWA or something. How, How you can support a team that just ups and leaves and, and goes as they do
1: you can't I don't think it so um I don't know if I've talked about it on this podcast very much but I'm, I'm a bit of a baseball fan Um I don't support the Orioles unfortunately I support the the first team that I went to see uh, as a baseball fan and that's the Oakland A's uh, and they are moving the A's out of Oakland probably to Vegas following the Raiders Uh and you get a ta- I mean you've like we all know this you get attached to the city and the community and the story of that city you don't like i you don't get attached to the name of the franchise and so you move with as an international fan you don't move with the franchise i'm not going to move with the A's to las vegas i'm like i i felt a connection with oakland and with the with the people in oakland and those are the that was the one of the reasons why i support the team and 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 the same would be true I think for us if the Ravens ever moved cities I'm not I'm pretty sure I wouldn't move with the with the franchise I would stand with Baltimore um and so it's a it is a weird one you know and I it's it's weird because you you'd look at an international fan and be like well it's fine isn't it you're a fan of the franchise you can move but I, I don't think that's how fandom works particularly not not when you're as into it as we are anyway does that mean they're putting
0: the, um, baseball field back on the stadium in Vegas? So we're going to go, we're going to go back in time five years and the Raiders are going to open the season with the baseball field in the middle of it. I hope so. That'd be great.
1: No, they, uh, they are going to build on a very, very tiny, tiny, tiny pl- plot of land near a casino. Uh, cause, and then play, uh, what is it? Uh, 70 odd, is it 80? 80, no, 82 games. I think it's 82 games in the searing Nevada desert (laughs) heat in the summer. What a great idea, guys. (laughs) Brilliant.
0: Great idea. Right, uh, let's try and get this um, podcast somewhat back on the rails, and we're going to do that by sending it to Shane who isn't here. The uh, festive season is round the corner. You've heard of Elf on a Shelf, but you've never heard of Elf on a Field, and Shane's going to explain to us why the f*** the Browns have an Elf on their field. (laughs) We'll be back in a moment. (laughs) A
3: Richmond History. Hi UK Ravens. Sorry I couldn't make the podcast this week, but I have managed to drag myself into History Corner to answer Gaz's question about why the Browns have an elf painted on their field. The short answer is because a brownie is a type of elf. Okay, thanks everyone. Do join me next week for more history. Fine. Okay, I'll tell you a bit more. Um, the uh, historical work of reference, that is Wikipedia, informs me that a brownie is a household spirit that originated in Scottish folklore. They were house elves, basically. They were said to do household tasks in the middle of the night to help out the family, and they would also punish lazy servants. Why they were bullying servants if they were already doing the housework themselves is not explained. Uh, They were a temperamental bunch who would apparently leave if they felt insulted, and those insults include giving them clothes. At that point, anyone who's read Harry Potter or seen the films will spot the tie-in with the house elves at Hogwarts. They also did chores and would leave, or in their case, be set free if you gave them clothes. So that's an idea that J.K. Rowling borrowed uh, for her books. But so did lots of other children's authors. By the end of the 19th century, brownies were a pretty common uh, fictional figure in books in the UK uh, and also in children's books published in the US. In the 1890s, the US experienced what's called brownie mania, with all kinds of merchandise being sold to children and to adults. It seems like a quaint historical novelty, but it's not that different from today's crazes, where people get excited about weird creatures with supposed magical powers, like extraterrestrials or Elon Musk. Um, Big Ears from Noddy, uh, from Enid Blind's Noddy Books, is apparently a brownie. And in 1919, when the Girl Scouts organisation was trying to name its group for younger girls, it settled on brownies. And George Eastman, the founder of Kodak, named an early low cost camera the brownie as well it was a whole thing So about 25 years later, the Cleveland Browns were founded. As I mentioned before, they were named uh, for Paul Brown, who was already a legend in Ohio football. That was fine, but not much help in choosing a mascot. They couldn't very well have someone wandering the sidelines dressed as Paul Brown because they already had one of those, and a giant picture of Paul Brown's head would look weird on the field. So you might be thinking there's quite a big gap between people naming everything after Brownies in 1920 uh, and the Browns being founded in 1946, but cultural memories last for a long time. It's not that unusual to remember a silly novelty craze years after it ceased to be relevant. Just look at the new Robbie Williams documentary. So somebody at the Browns organisation remembered Brownies, uh, probably from their childhood, and decided that that would be the mascot for the team. And it was for about 20 years or so. Armadale sacked Paul Brown in the early 60s and he fired the elf a few years later because he thought he was childish. Based on what we know about brownies, we can assume it was mortally offended by this, but a fan poll in 2022 managed to coax it back. So there it is, painted on the field once again, and the fact that it was a fan poll last year explains why this hasn't really come up before. Um, People outside Cleveland don't really understand what it's doing there, um, but it's been 100 years since brownies were a big deal, after all. Nobody will remember Robbie Williams in a century either. (laughs)
0: And there goes Shane explaining why the hell the Browns have an elf on their field. Or at least I hope so. We we talked, we talked to the break between us. We, we've not heard. Shane's going to record this after we've recorded the podcast, and I'm just going to pop it in in post. So if he decides to go on a rant about something completely different, then that transition is not going to make any sense. Okay, Ian, let's talk about those Cleveland Browns then with their potential elf on a field. On Sunday at 6 p.m. at MT. Bank Stadium. The Browns come in at five and three, and as we've discussed at the moment, do they hold like the sixth seed? Is it Cause the Bengals are still the bottom of the division, aren't they?
2: They are, yeah, yeah. So. Bengals are seventh, so I think, I think. The Browns must be fifth or sixth, yeah.
0: So it's the middle of our it's the middle of our home um, our home three game game stands um, next week. We then go to um, the Bengals on Thursday night football before a buy, and then we fly out to the west coast to the LA chargers we 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 mentioned it before the break the browns are coming in with a, a a pretty good looking defense and you've got to feel that this is a defensive led game and this is this is mike mcdonald getting into that room and saying these guys want to prove you're the best they're the best defense and we're going to show them otherwise
2: yeah, you, you'd think so. I think it was Shane that, that mentioned it before. Whenever a team's come in that they've been talked up as, as the best defence. The Ravens have taken that quite personally. They've they've gone out and performed. You've seen Roquan pre-game, sort of, this is our house, we're going to protect it. I know everyone does that sort of thing, but but he really seems to take it personally that, you know, team's not going to come come in here and beat us. You'd expect this to be a, a defense led game on on both sides of the ball and and you'd hope that the Ravens have got the off more of an offense than the browns have um that the browns are a little bit beat up on the offensive side of the ball i'm I'm surprised Paul Deshaun hasn't hurt himself somehow this week as his right tackle's already out for the season. I think his left tackle's gone on, on IR this week, so he's he's going to miss the game. Um, and, and Deshaun hasn't shown that he's that willing to sort of get involved and, and, and take the hits, um, get hands on him. Strange that. Um, well, that's, okay.
0: that's okay, because the, won't they just be able to like, cut him and save a load of uh, dead catmanood <laughs> money by doing that? <laughs> I'm, I'm,
2: yeah, probably. I'm sure that's, yeah. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure they, oh, no, wait. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: uh, so the, Man who gets all guaranteed money doesn't want to play. Shock! <laughs> <laughs> what a ridiculous contract. Sorry, Ian, you're a midflow, and I, just I took, uh, took uh, you out I, to I, take a jab at Deshaun Watson. I, I don't
2: think you should. You should ever apologise for taking a jab at Deshaun. <laughs> so feel feel free to take as many as you want. Uh, I I think I was done on my point anyway. I hope the Ravens sack him ten times.
0: Think he finishes the game, or do you think this is this is an absolute? Uh, this this is an absolute show and all of a sudden, as you say, you're surprised he's not picked up an injury uh, mid-week. Do you think he picks up an injury in the middle of the game and goes out with, with something and it, this turns into a storyline?
1: I mean, so if anyone's watched Airplane, there's a number of bits <laughs> in the great comedy Airplane where it's uh, well, we've got like 80s. A, we've did the 90s. Did now we got here. 80s. <laughs> looks, like, looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing glue. Uh, look, looks, looks like the Browns picked the wrong week to have both their offensive tackles missing. Cedric <laughs> Wills and Jack Conklin both missing this week against the team that puts the most pressure on quarterbacks It's just it's just it's just gleeful, isn't it? When it's going up against the Sean Watson, you yeah, I, I agree. I hope that he gets sacked a record amount of times.
0: Um, okay, have we got James while while, while you are talking? Have we got any? Any matchups, obviously this this game's gonna be um promoted as the as the, the defensive standoff. Let us talk about our defence first. What what about their offense scares you and you've got to sort of bear in mind they've got no left or right
1: tackle and um no Nick Chubb at this point? Yeah, it's still a pretty good run game. Uh, so the Ravens will have to be at it this weekend um on the run game. Kareem Hunt is back in Cleveland. Jerome Ford is a very uh, competent uh backup to Nick Chubb. So the the run game um is a concern. They 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 still have a very good interior offensive line. John Petonio, Ethan Posick, Wyatt Teller. Like this is this is a very good interior offensive line for the Browns. Um, so there's still a chance that they're able to to run the ball and so the Ravens will still have to be on it from that perspective. Um, Amari Cooper is having a very, very good season. Um, so uh, he's a weapon to sort of be aware of. And uh, David and Joku has always had Success in sort of sporadic ch- spurts against the Ravens. No, uh, so you're really concerned about, uh, about Joku. But really, there isn't too much to be concerned about with this offense. Like the Ravens should be able to shut. If the Ravens are shutting down the Lions and the Seahawks offense, they should be able to shut this offense down. Um, I, I, th- I think, uh, that there is a chance that the Browns are able to. To spring a bit of a surprise, Kevin Stefanski is having a good season as, as uh, calling the place, the Browns. So I do think, um, like this isn't going to be, uh, a walkover in the way that some of the games recently have been. Um, I think it'll be kept close. The, the real matchup you want to watch if we want to move to the other side of the ball, um, is Miles Garrett against Ronnie Stanley. Like this is, this is always probably the matchup to watch in this game, but, the reason why it's particularly intriguing is Miles Garrett is at the very, very height of his powers. He is at the very top of his game. He is the best defensive end in the NFL at this moment in time. There are some concerns about Ronnie. I agree with Ian. He was fine this week, um, pretty solid. But there are still some concerns about Ronnie, um, specifically with the way his plant foot works. It just doesn't look the same as it's looked in the past. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see him go up against against the best defensive end in the league right now. And they don't really move Garrett around very much, so it'll be mostly him him on Stanley most of the day. So that's the the real big matchup to watch. But I would also keep an eye out for um Denzel Ward on Zay Flowers as well, which is also another good another good on good matchup to watch on the other side of the
3: ball.
0: Yeah, Miles Garrett's been doing the media rounds this week and has been talking about how he likes to go into stadiums and quiet a crowd and just been very Miles Garrett, um, James. As you say, it's at, he's at the, the 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 peak of his performance. He's probably the top candidate for defensive player of the year at the moment. Um, James, you are Todd Munkin, you, you're in that um, you're in that offensive room this this week. What what are you putting together to stop to stop Garrett? How, are you, um, how, how are you how how you how you planning for him?
1: I mean, I'm going to option him all day long in the in the running game. Like I'm going to. Uh I, I'm he's an athletic guy who's still gonna be able to make plays, but I'm gonna make him choose between you know, the the Ravens have, have um have done really well with the RPOs recently and I just I just feel like you would you just give him give him put him put him in put him in a bind where he's not able to put him in a position where he's gonna have to think a little bit more and not have to just go blaring out at the quarterback. Put him in a position where he has to stop and think about what's coming at him. Uh, I'd, I'd run a lot of, um, counter bash plays, which is where you'll get an offensive lineman coming across the field to, to hit a defensive end and sort of blindside them from, from coming out from, from the other side of the line. So I'd, I'd put him in difficult situations, uh, from that perspective. Um, I'd also, uh, I'd, I'd get some pullers coming over onto his side as well. Let's get Kevin Zeitler coming out and round and, and, and try to hit him. So I, I think you'd, you'd just put him. You, you want to put him in as many situations where he's going to have to start having some doubt in his mind so that when he does get into a situation where he might be able to pin his ears back uh, and go after, go after Lamar, you, you're kind of putting him in a position where he's got to think about things, run some quarterback draws as well, get Lamar. Um, Going up the middle on on draws and and get just like I said, get Garrett into a position where he's having to to think about what he's doing as much as possible. He's still a very good. He's a good processor, so you're not you're not you're not going to stop him from making plays. He's even when you make him think, he's gonna he's still going to be able to make plays because he he thinks at a very high level for um for the game. But you really want to try and get him into a situation where he doesn't he's not able to just keep going. Keep going at the quarterback, and also that means building a lead too. So that'll be quite key: getting an early lead and, and keeping it.
0: Cool. Ian, anything on this game, or do you want to get straight to the predictions?
2: Just, just from me, it just feels like someone that's having a sneaky good year. Who a lot of a lot of Ravens fans didn't think would be involved is, is Pat Ricard, and it feels like a Pat Ricard game. This one, get get him involved. Whether that's sort of helping out Ronnie Stanley, whether that's you know, just absolutely blowing someone up in the run game. But it, it, James always talks about don't watch the ball. If, you, if you're if you not watching the ball in this game, I'd pay a lot of attention to Pat Ricard and what he's doing.
0: Cool. Okay, let's pick it then. James, I'll come to you first. What have you got for your score and player prop,
1: please? So I'm going with um, 2013 to the Ravens. Uh, I don't think it'll be a particularly high scoring game, but I also do think this offense will find some success, um, against, against their defense. Uh, and for my player prop, I am going to have, um, a Daffy away with, uh, three sacks. Wow. wow. Away, Positive regression uh, for all away right. with all the pressure he's getting.
2: 3 Ian, what have you got? So I'm pretty similar, actually. I've got Ravens winning it 24-13. For my player prop, now I don't know how many people have noticed this, but the Browns uh, promoted someone to their active roster this week, James Prochet. So I think what we're going to see this game is OBJ throw a pass. Just to rub it in James Prochet's
0: face. I I very nearly went. Oh, James Prochet touchdown as my <laughs> as my play <laughs> just feels like just feels like the most Ravens thing ever to happen. Uh, but I couldn't do that because I haven't projected the Browns to score a touchdown. I'm gonna go as I said it earlier in the podcast. I'm gonna go 39 in just an awful AFC North game, 13-9. I really struggled with my player prop here, um, so I will go with Odell Beckham to score the only touchdown of the day. Um, yeah, I just, I just think it's going to be ugly and messy, and I think... I don't know if this is just like the, the, the deep-seeded Ravens fan in me that I just... I know it's been great, and it is it, it's, it's reminiscent of 2019 where I just... I just don't. I just can't believe there's a chance we're going to go out there and put 35 points on this Browns defense and embarrass them, which we've already sort of done. What did We beat them first time round in their place. It was, it was, it was a decent outing. I can't remember the score off the top of my head, but it was, it was a decent outing. And the Ravens played well. And hopefully, the Ravens will just wear that defense down, and our defense will, 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 will show up and, and prove they're the better team on the day. But something about something about this one says that we we had a few weeks of of highs from the Ravens we're going into play the two big AFC North um games that we need to to win the the Browns and the Bengals and I just feel like we we're, we're going to be heading into Thursday night football and I sort of like I sort of like that in a way I sort of want that everyone sort of to go into Thursday night football against the the Bengals just a bit pissed off and and have a, have a have a really good performance out of the Ravens um Ian, I'm going to come to you about meetups. You knew this were coming, I'm guessing, but you've definitely not prepared for it. Um, you never have. Um we've got hundreds again, haven't we? It's another week. We've got Dublin, Newcastle.
2: There's four four this weekend. Dublin, Newcastle, Glasgow, and London, which is sold out. So oh, there, cool. there is still tickets for for Dublin, for Glasgow, and for the other one, which was Newcastle. Um so yeah, you can get yourself along to those. Uh and then the start of December is the the next ones after that where there's Bristol and Birmingham, another London and Manchester. So yeah, plenty plenty of opportunities to come along to meetups.
0: Cool. Have we announced the, uh, I'm behind on everything at the minute. Have we announced the, the UK Ravens London Christmas party yet? Uh, We have. Yes. We have. Yeah. Yeah. Which is on the 11th of December. Is that even a a... 10th of December?
2: (laughs) I'm frantically searching now. It's sometime in December in London. Yeah. It's, I'm sure it's the 10th, isn't it? It's the, 10th. It's the 10th. 10th, 10th, 10th of December. So there's one, there's a Christmas party in the south, which is London, uh, Belushi's London Bridge. And there's a Christmas party in the north, which is Manchester, which is some pub somewhere in the north where they probably sell gravy and pint glasses. And <laughs> <laughs> Come
0: on. what on earth is going on on this podcast? <laughs> Ian, we've got our, our hotel books for the. For the for the London Christmas party, we're we're excited to go back to Belushi's, aren't we, and, and see some familiar faces.
2: We are, yeah. We're, it should be a good time. So get get yourself along if you can't make uh, if you can't make Manchester, come down to London, hang out with with Gaz and I and, and whoever else will be there.
0: Good stuff. Right. Okay. Well, let's get out of here. We're gonna be back next week. We're we're going to be reviewing a painful win against the Cleveland Browns and previewing the home AFC North clash against the Cincinnati Bengals on Thursday night football. If you'd like to be involved in the show, as always, please email us at hello at ukravens.org. And until next week, let's go Ravens. Thank you for listening to the UK Ravens podcast. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by members of the UK Ravens. Join the community on social media at ukravens and facebook.com forward slash ukravens. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the UK Ravens podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. To be involved with the show, email us at ukravenshow at gmail.com. For more info, links, and to stay up to date, visit www.ukravens.com.
1: He's the best to get alive. This is not good. He's the best to get alive.